When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together, they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Yes, we are back at it, welcoming your real estate questions either by phone or by text. Well, I'll give you those numbers right now. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Chris and Andy and some guests will find out who they are. But we know Chris and Andy are here. Yes. And I always like to ask you, and we already get text messages as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was the week in real estate in your respective lives? Fantastic. It's coming. It's fine. I think it it's is. finally coming. I mean, because like, inventory has been so down and just mm-hmm. not a lot of things to be able to jump on. And when they come on, a lot of people jump on them. Now, again, different price segments. I mean, it's different, but I'm seeing action in all of those segments, which is good. Yeah. How, yep. about, how about Lakeshore property? What's the story on that? Yeah. I mean, well, t- typically a lot more Lakeshore comes on when it's it's blue and green, you know, meaning that yeah. water's coming on. I'm talking to um, three different people about getting Lakeshore properties on, but it is, it's one of those things that, I mean, that's where they're maximizing it. But in turn, I mean, if your house is ready, it's good to be able to get on now, too, because there's just not much available. Well, and if you list now, Denny, you're going to find the the buyer that has been stalking you, that knows that bay, that knows exactly what the shoreline's like. You're not going to get that random buyer that just was inspired on a vacation to say, I want to buy a cabin up here mm-hmm. or a house here. So your, your audience is a little more limited, but it's very specific. And so you could probably go to the top agents in that marketplace say, hey, this is coming on the market, and have that property sold on your terms pretty fast. Uh-huh. So it is a good time now if you wanted to control the the sale. I think later in the summer towards the fall and, and you know, you're selling that cabin, you say, well, we want to just hang out here till the end of August, and, and that new buyer wants to get in there right yeah. away and enjoy the rest of the summer. So it's kind of a, a catch, but it's, uh, you know. I've, I've actually had a lot of luck in the, in the fall yeah. selling lake homes because what happens is that, you know, so so someone's looking, and they're typically the people that are buying in the fall are looking in the spring because they mm-hmm. want to get on the lake uh, that summer. But it's like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's something else is going to come on, and maybe something else could come on. Right now, it's after Labor Day, and they're like, nothing else is coming on. I better grab something, otherwise, I'm going to miss next spring again. Right. And so we've had a lot of good luck um, with Lakeshore property in the fall. Yeah, and it's I, a beautiful time to be on the lake. And you and I have talked about this before. I think you also have the you know entrepreneurs that are out there that actually are at the end of the year and they're like, hey, we're having a fantastic year. We're way ahead. We have that extra, you know, resource now of cash that we could put into something and they, they want to actually invest it before the end of the year as well. So there's 
I see that a lot where that last minute December, yeah, we'll take this. We're buying investment properties or whatever. Not even off the lake. We see that in the late late fall, early uh, winter. So. There's a related text that came in uh, for the real estate show. Is there a shortage of lakeshore property? And where do you anticipate the market will go this summer? Serious shortage. And uh, prices have already jumped mm-hmm. uh, a lot. I mean, I've got a, well, a great example. I had one um, on the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a property that I had purchased. I sold it um, almost about two years, almost two years ago, uh, for four hundred and six thousand. Mm-hmm. They probably put about thirty or forty into it and just sold it for five sixty nine. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, well, not you know, a bad little return. You sell more Lakeshore than anybody I know, Chris. What What are you seeing for the average ages of the people that are? You know, I mean, are, are we talking baby boomers? Because here's my my theory was is that basically you've got a rush of people trying to retire and buy their dream lake home, and they have money. And then where they talk about this, you know, what, what's going to keep happening with Lakeshore? That is that going to be a solid market for 10 years? And then when the baby boomers say, okay, we're done with the maintenance, we're going to move into town and get an apartment or something, that market will get soft? What is your, what's your opinion on that? I don't think so at all. I think, uh, I mean, you're getting all different types that are, that are purchasing. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's some. I mean, I think kind of the big stuff, you know, um, right. that's uh, example, um, you know, main level living. If you got something main level living, mm-hmm. that that price range is jumping, right. and it's jumping hard because those are the kind of people, those baby boomers, they want that, yep. and so it's pushing those prices up higher. And it's the same thing with like uh, an, another Lakeshore lot that has somewhat of a, um, you know, the topography isn't mm-hmm. like it's on a cliff, you know, if it's somewhat. Uh, you know, level. flat or yeah. level that uh, people are pushing up those because they're ripping them down mm-hmm. and, and building up. So houses that are in that seven to nine hundred thousand, that's what they're they're buying them and ripping them down. So if you're listening, what Chris is saying is 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 fantastic because when you're out there buying, just because it's for sale doesn't mean it's a good deal or it's priced right. You have to think strategically when you're buying Lakeshore. You want level. You want one. You know, because you want your audience down the road, maybe twenty, thirty years, but you want that audience to be broad that you can sell to, then you'll obviously have a, a better audience to sell to. But it's, I don't know, I, what are, yeah. I think that's, it's interesting because mm-hmm. I think people are getting into that for Lakeshore. And in reality, people are buying Lakeshore for a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the lifestyle that they're looking for. And that's why a lot of times what they'll do is they'll trade that lifestyle for other things. So what they'll do is they'll go to like acreage. Mm-hmm. And rather than spending a million dollars on a house on the lake that, you know what, it's not quite my dream home, but I'm on the lake. Mm-hmm. I mean, a million dollars off the lake is like, whoa. I mean, what you can get is crazy or put it on a golf course, mm-hmm. you know, and those are all little lifestyles. And a lot of those people switch from lifestyle to lifestyle. They get on the lake and they say, you know what, hey, I enjoyed that. Yep. I want to try something else. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, if you have a real estate question, phone it in or send a text like some folks are already doing, 81807. Here's another text that came in, guys. Do buyers get motivated more to buy when the selling home needs some minor finishing versus a home fully finished? Man, I'll tell you right now, I'm seeing the they want that turnkey, polished, done, enjoy, you know, instant gratification kind of buyer. They're not they're not building equity like they used to. I mean, I, I remember when I was shopping with my wife when we were way back when, and we were thinking of, hey, how do we buy something to fix it up or to finish the basement, you know, and and uh, make that equity. And I think people think differently now. They look at a house differently. It's not. I don't think everybody looks at it as an investment vehicle like I used to look at it. I think people are looking at it as a place to live and raise their family, and it's it's more more than just the money part. Well, we got Russell Hillier and Jeff Closey in here with Bay Equity. And uh, I think I mean, maybe you guys can answer to this, but uh, 
you know, people people have money to be able to get in and they can qualify, but they don't have a lot of extra money to be able to fix it up. And so what, what Andy's saying, you know, hey, if it's turnkey, they'll they'll typically pay a little more for that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you, you hit the, the nail on the head there. Um, a lot of times there are they are looking just to get in there and, like you said, turnkey, get in there, start living. You know, I think the mentality has changed to where individuals – aren't really looking to put in that sweat equity, mm-hmm. kind of what you were mentioning, Andy, and um, and looking to put in that uh, that extra work or, or, or see it as an investment tool. We, mm-hmm. we, we're kind of in a, the microwave society these days. It's like, I want it now. I want instant gratification now. So you do see a lot of that, but there's definitely a lot of tools and programs available for people out there if they do the right research to where you can – have that mm-hmm. and, and have that the uh, um, financed in in terms of different sort of uh, rehab loans and, and whatnot, but um, you have to be able to put the work in. I am seeing surface level improvements being made, Denny, like where the people are coming in and the house, the major stuff is done, and then they are inspired by you know television and they come in there and say we're gonna kind of do their own remodel on a, a bedroom or a, a kitchen and they paint the cabinets and they do the whatever oh, yeah. and have fun with it. Um, I always say, you know, spend the money on having a stager and or interior decorator take a look at your ideas before you apply them. Even though you're so inspired and so motivated to do it, spend a little extra ounce of precaution on what you're doing, and it may save you a ton down the road, and uh, and they'll guide you. You know, we're going to – today, we're going to – with the guys here, we're going to talk about how to maybe uh, – get ourselves positioned the best to be able to uh, get that offer. We got a text here that says uh, their son's trying to purchase a first house in the 250 range, but they keep getting outbid. So any suggestions? And that's exactly what our topic yeah. is going to be. We'll have more of it. And anyway, again, we welcome your text messages and your phone calls here in the Real Estate Show. 651-989-9226. Text, meanwhile, is 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on A3OWCCO. If you have a question related to real estate or our topics today, call us or text us, 651-989-9226, or text us at 81807. You guys can see we're getting a yeah, bunch of text of messages. Yeah, today. you know, we're going we're gonna to hit on how to position ourselves, um, you know, how to get our make ourselves look the best in an offer situation, kind of like the question of son's trying to purchase his first house in that 250 range. He keeps getting outbid. But, Andy, I want to ask one other text question with you mm-hmm. um, before we get going. If you knew an 18-year-old high school senior who wanted to become a realtor right away and skip college, would you encourage them to start now or wait? Um, here's what I would say to you is that if if you have drive and you have the ability to learn and you want to use the, the the world of hard knocks as your uh, you know way to, to educate yourself, it'll take you a little longer to get there. But drive in this business, I believe, is the number one thing that makes people. There's there's numerous agents that I know that are super successful in this business that that know you know don't have an education beyond high school. Um, but what I would say is this: the relationships you can develop in college and the way that your mind will work and the things that it'll you know create and stimulate you to think about and different ways to create an industry that's been around and the same for many many years might be worth the extra four years. And remember this, you can also do both at the same time. You could be a full-time real estate agent and you could go to college and kind of hit two birds with one stone. Coming from a kid who grew up in a real estate family, uh, I did get my license at 18 years old. And uh, 
But I took a five-year break in between in, in getting that uh, that college education, and I call it networking. I did a lot of networking. So you dropped out of school when you were 13? <laughs> no. I mean, it just took a little while to get out. But it was. It was kind of that time that, I mean, I, and I had the drive, and I was going for it. But yeah. it's still, you're 18. Right. You know, and you don't quite have everything figured well, out. You, so. And you do, and you, you, know, you go back and say, oh, my buddy's moms and dads will buy houses from me. And then they still look at you as being a little kid. That's right. And, and I tell you, you can be in your 30s and they still look at you as being a kid because you know, it's just a generational thing. So what you have to do is earn respect. I'd say if you get out there, you, if you could sell houses without having to go to your sphere um, first and you could actually create business, generate a business plan that functions profitably, and uh, then I would say, then you could go back to your sphere and show the success you've had, and then they, they'll buy from you. You know what I mean? I'll tell you another thing. If, if you're going to do it, and you're going to do it as an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a great job to do along with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's of a bartender or a waitress or a waiter. You know, because you have to deal with a bunch of different people. You know, you have to adapt to them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're not going to get tipped. Right. But it's a great way in which to be able to do it. And then there's other little tricks to be able to, you know, let them know that, hey, I can't sell a house. That's why I'm a bartender mm-hmm. versus, hey, a bartender is just a way for me to, you know, do what I love. Well, and that's a fantastic, actually, mentality to carry in any kind of service providing industry is you you should act like you're earning a tip and work hard to, to keep that customer satisfaction yep. And earn their business and get that referral. Because I think that the biggest thing is is this. People listening to the show right now are like, you know, well, we know an agent, but he or she wasn't that great. You want to be that agent that everybody goes to because you're good at what you do. You take care of your clients to the core. I mean, it's your number one job is to take care of your clients. You'll be employed for the rest of your life if you can get that in line. And one way to do it is making sure that you get their offers through and, mm-hmm. and put them in the best position in which to be able to do that. Um Jeff Closey, I know you guys here at Bay Equity um, are, are real big sticklers and of getting people totally pre-approved and through the underwriting process before we even write an offer. Yeah, I think it's important to you know, position yourself to kind of ensure a smooth process and make sure your offer is accepted you know, by working with your uh, lender, submitting all of your income documents, and get that credit package underwritten you know, prior to, you know, as a to-be-determined property. So that way, you know, you already have a portion of it underwritten already. So then when you are in position and have an offer accepted, you can essentially plug in a property and get the, you know, the appraisal and the title work and everything else. And I think a lot of times uh, mortgage companies, hey, I want to make it, and realtors, hey, I want to make it as easy as possible. Don't worry about it. Get me that when you can get me that. No, you got to get me that, you know, and so I know that for sure because, um, and, and I think that also um, goes out to the market, Andy, too, that we might get a, a a letter from a lender that we've had that situation before where they didn't, hey, we didn't get everything. Uh-oh, now we just found out that they had a divorce and uh, they owe child support. What? We didn't know that. How, how don't you know that? And then that reflects on everyone, every other loan that's written by that company. Yeah, completely. I think that there's... I always, you want to bring the right tools to the battle. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you're going to battle and you're going to spend the time, the effort, the energy to get there, and then you can't perform once you get there, that that's the key thing there. And I know a lot of people think of it as a, you know, um, don't you trust me? Of course I'm credit worthy. Get that emotion out of the way. I mean, seriously, I you know I hate to say grow up, but grow up. You need to get the approval done so that you know what you're qualified for. So you can make the decision, not the buyer or the seller. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so you know what you're getting into so you can make a sound decision for you and your family. So Yeah. And I think from a seller standpoint, when you're trying to get an uh, 
offer accepted, you got to look at that seller. Agent needs to find out everything they possibly can, like where they're going. I mean, Russell, tell me this: what if I what if I went in and said, you know what? I'll close within thirty days, so you don't have to worry about anything later. But I'll do a rent back for you. You know, can you get it done in thirty days? I mean, the whole thing was when all the mortgage industry changed and said, oh, you can't get a loan done for at least sixty days. Why can't I get one done thirty days and then let the seller tell me when I can move in? Right. I mean, that's that's definitely positioning yourself up front, aligning yourself with the right lender and the right agent. I think that is very important. And as a loan officer approaching any transaction, just kind of how what what Andy was mentioning, that upfront discovery that you do as a lender has to be very detailed and very thorough. And so getting a loan done in 30 days these days, I mean, it's definitely possible still. Yeah. And then and then getting that over to that agent who's representing that seller so they understand it. And, I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, the lender in, ends up calling the agent. I do a lot of listings, and I, I, I deal with a lot of offers. And I don't get many calls from loan officers. Well, Everyone says they do it. No one does it. Right. And, um, and that's one of the main things that I always position myself in. And it's you'd be surprised every single time I have a client that puts in an offer, I call the listing agent right away, can, kind of just introduce myself, find out they have any questions, let them know that this is a solid you know, buyer. And you'd be surprised at how many times I hear from listing agents like, wow, lenders never call me. Yeah, you know? And you can, be, you can be super qualified, but you might not close on time still. I mean, you might have everything ready, but if you've missed some things or, or get them late or, or, you know, the lender doesn't get it. So the, you know, whoever that lender is, it's really important in the whole transaction from a seller standpoint to know. All right. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, when we come back, we're real excited. We've got Eric Westrom with the NHL Alumni Association uh, talking today with us about this. Uh, they've got a Parkinson's hockey game. Uh, oh. They're raising money for Parkinson's. We were going to talk about that when we get back from the break. We'll do that very thing. All and right. he's an insurance agent, too. Uh, besides. Yeah. All right. And good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on 830 WCCY. If you happen to have a real estate-related question, we always like to get yours either by phone, which is 651-989-9226, or send a text 81807. Guys, though, before we get back uh, to the show, we've got uh, a special guest on our news line. Well, yeah. Well, Eric Westrom, uh, former Minnesota Gopher and NHL alumni, is doing some uh, work with Parkinson and is an alumni game tonight. But uh, I wanted to hit him. I mean, obviously, it's a real estate show. He's yeah. also an insurance agent as well. And uh, just had a, a, a question about vacant homes. And uh, Eric, why don't you answer that for us before you get going? Uh, sorry to throw this on you, but uh, from a vacant <laughs> home, what what should a someone that's insured in their home? What should they be looking for? And they should probably definitely let their agent know, right? Yeah, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, we deal that obviously in the industry. Whether somebody's redoing it, moved out, um, you know, whether it's a foreclosure, somebody buying something, or it's kind of sitting on the market. Um, the big thing is obviously letting the agent know getting the right insurance in there because the big thing it might not be necessarily around personal property or some other things, but there's still liability. It's going to follow whoever the owner is of that property as well as the structural aspect. Um, if that thing goes down, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're able to get the rebuild, you know, whether it's uh, a newer home or an older home or something just kind of sitting there. Yeah. The last thing you want is to not have your house fixed by a little clause that you didn't know about. So I think it's important yep. to tell your insurance agent that. Andy, you got some questions about about how he decided to give up his skates and become an insurance agent? Yes, yeah. I was. Uh, how, how did you decide to make that transition? I mean, I would have probably stayed skating forever. 
Yeah, well, I think for me, it was, I mean, I was blessed with, uh, you know, a 12-year professional hockey career. And, uh, you know, when I was playing in Toronto with the Maple Leafs, I kind of reflected, saw some people I knew that were retiring and thought, you know what, I got to figure out the plan <laughs> before it does happen. So I, I was I played another five years. And as I was going through that, just kind of, I was always interested in finance and insurance for some reason. Okay. That was always kind of what I was looking at doing when I was uh, down at the Carlson School of Management on the university campus there. And uh, it just happened to kind of fall into my lap. I live down here in Prior Lake area, and yep. the guy on the corner there was happened to be moving on to different things. And I uh, I had suffered a couple concussions, and it was two kids later and two concussions later. It was kind of an easy decision. I bet. So so what do we have going on? What's the event today? What are we uh, What are we promoting today on the show? Yeah, for us, I mean, it's uh, NHL alumni Parkinson's game. So there's, you know, old school guys like my dad uh, who played in, in back in the 70s, uh, along with guys who played for the North Stars, you know, like Tom Younghands, Mike Craig. And then you got some of us, we'll, we'll call us young guys still <laughs> at heart, um, you know, played for the Gophers, North Dakota, played for the Wild, you know, guys that'll be out there like Jordan Leopold, Johnny Pohl. You got Lee Gorn and Brad DeFavre won national championships with the Vikings, too. Um, we'll have some local uh, TV guys like uh, Dave Schwartz with Care 11, uh, Paul Fletcher. Um, so it's it's going to be a fun event, and the big part of it is just raising awareness and raising some funds uh, for the Parkinson's Foundation. And how did you get involved with Parkinson's Foundation? Uh, my grandmother, she was diagnosed um, late 90s, early 2000s, and she passed away um, about four, 13 years ago. And I had the platform uh, playing in the NHL to be able to raise awareness and sign an auction item. So it kind of just started around that. We did an alumni, or not alumni game, a current NHL game um, a couple times and then transitioned it to the alumni when I did retire and just trying to raise that awareness and money for people because I saw it directly affect my family. You'd go to visit Mm -hmm. grandma and instead of being able to spend time with her, you were you know, removing snow or you're mowing the lawn or, you know, helping out with meals and different things. And this gives people an opportunity to get a family grant to put money towards that. Have someone, you know, snowball the driveway, mow the lawn, get food, take care of, you know, your mom, your grandma, your sister, or your brother. Um, so you can spend that quality one-on-one time and then also let those people with Parkinson's you know, live a little better quality of life with those resources. And so those that are listening that want to maybe uh, check out what's happening tonight, how do we get a hold of you guys or how do we buy tickets? And then uh, or if we want to just donate, what do we do? Yeah, so there's uh, obviously online, you know, whether it's through the Internet or however, Facebook or all that stuff, the Parkinson Foundation of Minnesota. Um, there's some direct links to buy tickets. There's information on there how to donate. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of click through and, you know, two or three clicks later, you have tickets, you know, sent over to you and or you can make a financial contribution. Um, tonight over at the new arena down in Shakopee here. Um, so they're trying to promote that area, obviously, with the business growth and I'm sure the real estate growth down in that area as well with people moving in and, you know, the school districts are trying to pop and um, we're we're promoting that rink as well, so it's it's going to be a five forty five five thirty. The doors will open, and the kids actually kids, the parents, whoever can come to skate, will have about a half hour, forty minutes, where they can skate, interact with the NHL guys, sign some autographs, take some pictures, and then we'll have a skills competition for the players and their kids. So, like my kids will be out there participating in that as well, and then we'll have the alumni game. You know, Chuck and Puck stuff. We'll have 
you know, team signed wild jerseys. Brock Besser, his parents have been, uh, or his family has been affected with Parkinson's disease, the NHL all-star MVP of this year. So he's, uh, he's been supporting us, uh, a friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, Cambria is bringing out their mascot, throwing out some pucks and different things. So we'll have, uh, yeah, hopefully have a full house. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. I think Andy's bringing his skates out too. So, well, thank you so much. And thanks for all the good work. We, uh, I know a lot of people uh, are appreciative of all the hard work you do. Thanks for joining us today on CCO. Uh, 20 degrees, fair skies in the Twin Cities. We have, as you guys can see, a lot of text messages coming in today. You want to grab one? Yeah, we're going to hit on them. Uh, is there an advantage to listing now versus the cold and snow versus waiting to list when it's warm and green? And uh, I think it, it's one of those depends. A lot of people um, mm-hmm. didn't prepare uh, for this uh, short uh, short inventory market, meaning getting their stuff ready outside where yep. things are kind of um, you know, maybe they didn't paint the trim or do things like that. So that that could um, hurt you. But mm-hmm. there's not much on the market. Well, I was going to say, go back to your economics class and kind of look at the old supply and demand game that's been played forever. And right now there's not any supply. So you can, you know, and there's a lot of demand. So there's an opportunity there to sell anything in any condition in this market as long as you're fair on pricing, I'd say. so. Yep. Um, is there a decent return on the installation of a realistic gas fireplace? Again, depends. <laughs> I mean, it, it it usually would help, um, mm-hmm. but it depends. I mean, if it's your fourth fireplace, probably not. Uh, <laughs> but if it's uh, you know a focal point and yeah. you've done some nice things around it, you know. Well, that could or, or for help. an example, here's another quick. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I want to have a beautiful master fireplace in my master." See, to me, that that could be you know a, a detriment versus an asset, and so. You know, there's, it's where you put that strategically. If you're using it as a heating thing or is it just a – because if you're looking just for an element of, like, uh, you know, sizzle, <laughs> you could do an electric one for a third of the price or, you know, a tenth of the price and have the same effect. There's a text here that came in a bit ago. We have – it says a lake home 45 minutes from the cities on a good deep lake built 12 years ago, poured concrete. It's got metal siding, uh, lots of oak woodwork uh, cabinets. What can I do? What can we do to make it more up to date style wise to get top dollar? Also, uh, there's no bathtub. Is that a bad thing on a lake? Well, I mean, it it depends. I mean, if it's a it's a year round home versus um, it's, it's going to be a cabin. So I think you know we need to know price range mm-hmm. on that uh, first of all, and then uh, second of all, I mean, a, a good coat of paint and decluttering a place uh, is worth. It's the biggest return on your money, no doubt, no question. Agreed. And without seeing it, I mean, it's hard. We do it. We do it every day when we go to houses, um, you know, and we give them suggestions how to kind of maximize their value. And uh, sometimes it's just real simple things, and then other times, you know what? There's a lot of things you got to do, you know, because mm-hmm. it depends on that price range. And I think yeah. experience um, and. Ha- Having that experience of mm-hmm. of doing it a lot yep. and knowing what people are looking for is super important. And that kind of leads into the next question mm-hmm. of, you know, is the experience of an agent important rather than using a college friend um, recently getting into the business? Why don't you take the college friend side and I'll take the experience side? Because you college can answer friends, both ways. We're friends, for gosh sakes. I'm just getting started. You can find everything on the Internet anyways. I'll just open the door for you. Right, exactly. And so in the experience agent will say, you know, hey, here's what we pay per square foot. Here's the houses that are available with my connections. I'm going to get you to properties before they list. Um, I've got the connections in the industry. So what I would say is this, though. What's nice about a new agent, though, too, I'll flip back over to the other side. They can't afford to fail. So you're going to have somebody on your side that works 
ridiculously hard, you know, to the nth degree to get you uh, a successful story to tell your friends and family. They can't fail. So that's what I kind of like about a new agent. As long as they're partnered with a seasoned veteran or they have somebody as a resource to go to if they get challenged, because the, the enthusiasm is what I would love about somebody that's fresh. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. But I think sometimes you just don't run into those problems, you know. And the th- same thing mm-hmm. with loan officers, and we'll talk about that next segment. All right. We'll take a quick break, but we have more show to come. Again, if you have a real estate type of question, 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on 830WCCO. Again, Chris and Andy and guests, we have uh, texters, we have callers. What do you, you want to grab to, yeah. lots, lots to grab here. Okay, what are realtors and, and loan officers doing to battle appraisals coming in lower than accepted offers on properties because buyers' offers are so aggressive? And comparables are not catching up with the high offers we coming in. Actually stand outside Russell, Lake, by the we way. actually stand outside Russell's office and look through the window until he gives us the appraisal we want. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen you out there, Andy. I've seen you out there lurk, lurking through. Listen. It's, um, it's, that's definitely a, a very good topic to bring up because you're seeing that a lot lately because individuals are, with the, with the low inventory, people are um, coming in with strong high offers. And, of course, the seller is going to you know accept that. So – Realistically, that goes right back to who you align yourself with up front on the buyer mm-hmm. side exactly. and your agent, and making sure that there's um, the, the due diligence is done up front to say, hey, if we're going to make an offer ten grand over, you know, over listing price, let's do our due diligence and do a CM, you know, just look at the market, look what the of the comps are that are available, and make sure that we have a chance of getting that that appraisal. So, if, but if it comes in light, we're we're gonna have to renegotiate or try to rebuttal that. And in my twenty plus years of doing this, rebuttaling appraisals, it re- usually doesn't. Yeah. So you got to get them ahead of time. So you, right. I mean, us as agents need to right. get them the comp- the comparables. But the other thing is 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 setting it up from the beginning, mm-hmm. because I mean, if I if I get a lender, Jeff Closey calls me up and says, "Hey, this this guy's great, but he's going three and a half percent down FHA." He's probably not I – mean, my question is, is he going to be able to – or she going to be able to come up with enough money to be able to bridge the gap between where the appraisal is and where they paid for it on a sale price? Yeah, I mean there's – you know, they're going to have to renegotiate, you know, the price if it, uh, uh, if it comes in a little bit low for the most part. And especially if they're, you know, building in any closing costs, you know, they're going to have to kind of go back to the, to the table a little bit. But, you know, to uh, um, yeah. Russell's point, you know, it's, it's – most important to align yourself with somebody who, you know, has done the due diligence up front and and taken a look at the property and mm-hmm. make sure it comes in. And if it's in a condo, you know, situation or a townhouse on an FHA, you know, that appraisal is going to follow that property. So it's in their best interest to renegotiate at that point because they can't well, get a new but appraisal. But sometimes that don't work. I my mean, my skin crawls when I hear people talking about this stuff because, for example, the only – I'll only say this probably once on air, but FHA – um, with their HUD homes, when they list a house, that's the appraised value on a HUD appraisal. That's what they list it for. So that's what's nice about that is you know it's going to appraise for the purchase price. When you go above that with a HUD house, for an example, you know you're wandering into territory. You got to pay cash. With a uh, uh, you know conventional loan that's out there, somebody in the same situation, strategically, their buyer's agent might say, "Hey, let's bid at ten thousand over, knowing it won't appraise." And then we'll renegotiate. But in the meantime, we beat out these other 10 people bidding on the house. I, as a listing agent, before I go into it, I, I look at it from an appraiser's perspective where we know that it's not, let's say it's a $200,000 house. 
we know it's not going to appraise for more than 200000 So that offer that comes in at two twenty, we don't even look at it. We throw it out. We look at the how solid is the offer, when are they going to close, how much money are they putting down, what kind of contingencies, and the money part, because you know you're not you're counting money you're never going to get anyway. But, when, if, but if they have that, if they're willing to pay two twenty and you can find money elsewhere from them and they want to pay it, I mean, why would you just why would you want to discount an offer that's twenty thousand higher if they have that money? I've I mean never, if, if they're if we're based on FHA and it's three and a half percent down, I totally agree with you. No, but I know, but I'm saying like who who would pay ten percent more than property value and they're buying a two hundred thousand dollar house anyway? Unless it's an investor that wants to have another property in that neighborhood or something like that. But here's the thing. It's they have to pay it in cash. Yeah, and I'm saying right. it's, a, it's a negotiating technique. It's right. not that, you know, they're just doing it intentionally knowing it won't appraise. But a house is worth, let me, I'm going to say this before you wrestle. We're all kind of jumping and trying to jump in here. <laughs> but a house is only worth what someone's willing to sell it for or what someone's willing to buy it for. Right. That's market value. Now there's another thing that happens. Typically people need financing to be able to do that. But if it says, hey, it's 200 and I'm just going back to your example – um, but if it's two hundred thousand, hey, you got to get financing on two hundred thousand. You got to mm-hmm. come up with that extra twenty. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that if someone wants to do that and it works for them. Well, but, unless, in most cases, yeah. though, the the problem here there is is I completely agree with you, Chris, because a lot of people that are going into so you those, disagree with Andy and agree with me. Is that what you're saying? No, yeah, yeah, because he's work. always lurking outside my window. <laughs> this is an know. ongoing thing. Eight right. years of doing right, this. Right. So. You just, I'm but ready. The, but the thing is, is when people go into those 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 higher offers, um, a lot of times they're not told that they're going to need to come out of the pocket for cash. They're not told that. They think they're going to get finance. They think the appraisal is going to come in, and they're not set up with realistic expectations up front. Right. That's the problem. So those buyers that you guys we like got to phone help, calls, Andy. Doesn't matter. Know. No, I'm oh. rebuttaling this. <laughs> I would put an addendum in there that says we're agreeing to your offer as long as you're willing to pay cash for the difference between the Fantastic. appraisal and the actual, uh, you know, and the sale price. Totally agree. If you won't willingly do that, I won't sign your offer. And, but on the other end, then now you, we have to do our sellers, hey, by the way, this might not work, but and if it doesn't, here's the expectations of it so it's not destroyed after, you know, a month waiting for appraisal. Because there's another text question here that say, why don't we do appraisals before we make our offers? I agree. Well, a it lot of people won't pay way. for them up front, you know, right. and a seller might not agree to it either. So, I, In a free it's, market, it's tough because it's people wonderful. are still shopping sometimes lenders until the last second. They don't know. They don't want to commit. And I'm, It'd be a great opportunity if you could list a house and have a, a central agency that would appraise a property. But then people will argue with that appraisal and they'll say that, hey, this is like you just said, hey, we can sell it for whatever we want. You know, and so this is all that's doing is hurting us. So the market will continue the way it is. And there's offers that are out there. So, hey, I'll pay you appraised value. We'll agree upon it. Let's get, so, let's get a third party in which to be able to do it. Not a lot. I mean, if, especially if there's a lot of competition, right. but that does happen. Let's go back to the phones. Dwayne in Anoka is calling in. Dwayne, what's your question for the guys? My question is uh, my wife's parents' house is going to be for sale because they're both dead now. It's in 450, uh, 487 area, very old house built in like 1948. So who knows what might come up with the title search. Can the seller get insurance against anything that may happen in a title search for that? Well, here's the thing. I mean, a title search is, is you know, the the nuts and bolts of what is happening with the sale. So it's making sure that it's clear title. Um, I mean, you can find that out right mm-hmm. away. I mean, whoever your agent is, um, just have them set it up, whoever's going to close the deal, that they'll be able to run title work for you so you're assured yeah. that there's not going to be a problem. 
But then there's another thing. I mean, you just talked about that house. I mean, you could put a, a home warranty on it as well. And uh, you can load that home warranty up to be able to cover you for any problems that might arise even before the closing, as long as you have it on 30 days. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions, you can go to uh, chrisrooney.com or prasky.com, and we can kind of lead you the right way on that. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Ida is calling in from Fridley. Ida, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yes. Um, I'm 85. I own my own home. Uh, but I'm thinking of selling it because I'm running out of cash and I need help maintaining it, and my daughter wants to buy it. How do I go about getting uh, an appraisal or securing a mortgage, or who would be, like, the first person I'd contact? That's fantastic, Ida. I mean, I think the most important thing is finding out if your daughter is going to be able to qualify for it. So I think talking to a lender would really be important. And, uh, you know, we're just talking about trying how to come up with a value. I mean, you could Mm -hmm. certainly have a realtor come over uh, in which to tell you that. They could also help you write up the offer. They don't need a a full commission in which to be able to do that or or do an appraisal, right? And then how about from a lender? I mean, there's ways to do gift equity too, you know, to be able to get Ida's daughter – some stuff. Oh, we're, we're running tight. Jeff, do it oh, quick. Yeah, in this case, you know, you could do it's called a non-arm's length transaction. Um, that's a fa- buying the home from a family member, so you can do a gift of equity. Um, like, it, you, know, you want to take a look at um, your daughter's, um, you know, credit package and see if it's uh, FHA or conventional, and there's different guidelines to those as well. Yeah. So there's ways in which to get her money if she doesn't have the money, too. So yep. A lot of good it. stuff. And we'll be back again next week. Hope you'll join us here in the Real Estate Show on 830WCC. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.